That's tough. That's a tough statement, isn't it? That's a tough statement, especially in our culture. I mean, many, many agree today that money doesn't buy happiness, but still understand that money is money necessary. Money is necessary in the world that we live in just, just to basically function. But we understand, as Christians, there's a difference. That we don't find security in that money. That regardless of money, regardless of your possessions, regardless if you're a prepper, maybe you have bags and bags stored in your basement of food and MREs for the end of the world, you're fine. Guess what? No security. It's not, it's not possible. But when he says that none can serve two masters, Throughout, if you go and you read throughout the epistles, how does Paul introduce himself in the epistles? Paul, a bond servant of Christ Jesus. Do we realize, here, just Romans 1.1, Galatians 1.10, Ephesians 6.6, just write those down. Just take a look at those when you get a chance. Do you realize that if you are a Christian, you are a bond servant, you are the... the the actual Greek word is doulos, it translates as servant or slave. You are the possession of Christ. He is your master. We are his servants. We are his slaves. It's as simple as that. And when we come to that, we need to understand that we do what our master says. We pursue the things of our master. We don't pursue our own desires. When you become a Christian, you are saying, I am no longer the master of my life. Jesus, you are Lord of my life. And when you say that you are Lord of my life, that is in every aspect of our life. Every aspect of our life. When he says serving God, you cannot serve God and money. This You may have man. Your, your translation may say mammon. This word is actually a, a Jewish word. It's a Semitic word that refers to money or your ultimate desires. What, what is your ultimate desire? You can't serve God right here and a different ultimate desire, an ultimate purpose here. It, it can't. There, there is no neutrality when it comes to the kingdom of heaven. There is no neutrality. You will serve Jesus or you will serve yourself. And it's, it's tough to do. I'm not going to stand up here and say that this is something simple. The thing is, is you're never going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind every moment of every day. That's why we have grace. That's why we have grace. That's why we have been forgiven, because God understands, and Jesus understands our weakness. But he does demand, he does demand our ultimate loyalty. Let's turn real quick to Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to them, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and your treasure, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great many possessions. Following Christ takes risk. It takes risk. It takes <coughs> chances. There are obstacles. There are struggles that will come in life. There are decisions that you're going to have to make, that we all have to make, that may not be the easiest decisions, may not be the decisions that we want to have to make, but we make all those decisions in light of who Christ is, of our ultimate chief desire and the engine that drives all of our, our entire purpose here on earth. Imagine, imagine, like I said, we're the richest nation pretty much in the history of the world. Imagine if the American church took this to heart. If we all took this to heart and took this at face value, that no one can serve two masters. Imagine if our treasure went away from our jobs, went away from building up our own lives, building up our own reputation, saving up for the next vacation, for the next car. What? Just imagine what could be done. Just imagine. When, when there's a need, when people need help, people are there. We think, I think of the Battle of Dunkirk. Many of you are soldiers here. Many of you may have no military history in the Battle of Dunkirk in England. The British soldiers were trapped. So what did the people of England do? Just regular, everyday fishermen. Anyone that had a boat, what they do? They went over. They went over and they helped them. They helped them and they got them back to where they need. They trusted. And, and they just, it's not that they trusted. They just had complete disregard for their own safety. They had disregard for themselves. We must have a disregard for ourselves. That Christ must increase and we must decrease. That's how we need to view our lives and how we act in the world and what we're working towards. Which brings us to our last part. Shows, and starting at verse 29, we, or 25, excuse me, Jesus understands our needs. Jesus understands our weakness. First, starting at verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into their barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? And which of you, being, in, being anxious, can add a single hour of his, to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? 
Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Those words just, I don't even really, it doesn't seem like we can expand much about it. Just think about that. Let's just think about that. The lilies of the field, just like the poem, the lilies of the field, the, uh, the animals, the nature, the birds, God's providing for them. God's providing for them. We were, we're the chief pinnacle of creation. We're created in the image of God. Are we? He says, oh, you of little faith. It's, it's the only time he says that in this sermon. Oh, you of little faith. It is. It's because we have little faith. That's, that's what it comes down to. We've been adopted. If you just go, to, go a little bit to Matthew 7, 7, just a little bit to the right. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone who receives, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to, do, how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? We have a good Father. Okay? We don't have an evil Father. We don't have a manipulative Father. We may have had grown up, I grew up with a great Father. I love my Father. Some of us may not have had grown up with a good Father. But you know what? We have a good Father that knows what His children need and will provide for what His children need. We already understand that our treasure is not here on earth. We have an eternal treasure in Christ. So if that's what we're working towards, we need to have that perspective as well. But it doesn't mean that a Christian should just go through life not doing anything. Many have taken this verse to be like, okay, yes, I'm quitting my job. God's got it all. I don't have to worry about anything. I'll take care. It'll all be taken care of. I'll be good. I as, and in my early 20s, I kind of lived my life like that a long time. I lived, I woke up in the morning, whatever we're doing today, next day, next day, next day. It was very easy to do that. It was stress-free. I wasn't thinking about tomorrow, but I wasn't living for God. I was living for myself. Jot this down in terms of what Paul admonishes us in terms of working. 1 Thessalonians 2.9, 4.11, 2 Thessalonians 3.10. Paul says he worked with his hands to provide for himself. Okay, This is not an issue of do not work. Proverbs says to look at the ant. Look at the ant and how it works. Okay? 
This is not a verse that says you can just be lazy and don't work, and don't do anything with your life. That's not what this is about. The issue has never been about working or having money. The issue has been what the whole issue has been on this Sermon on the Mount. What is the heart? Where is your heart at? Are you following Christ at the beginning? We looked at, are you following Christ trying to attain your status with him? We find out we're poor in spirit. Verse 33, what does he say? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I want to make it, make it very clear, because there's a lot of misconception on that as well. This does not mean that God is a means to get you what you want. God is not a genie. God is not a slot machine. And you can go in and prayer, prayer, prayer. Yay, I got what I wanted. That's not how this works. That is not how this works. We don't serve God for the gifts that he give up, gives us. That's not why we serve God. We serve God because... We hunger and thirst for righteousness. We want His righteousness. We want to be with Him. Like I said earlier, if your desire for heaven is just for the mansion, seeing your relatives, that is not the reason that we're Christians. The reason we are Christians, the reason why we can say we have had a new life is not for the things that we can get or that come ahead of us, but it's for who we get to see. It's who comes. Let me just close real quick with this. The West, Westminster Confession says that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. If you want to know why am I here, what is my purpose on earth, it's right there. Enjoy God and glorify Him forever. And that's through everything. There is no neutrality. This is not this is not that I'm going to have one foot here and one foot there. Okay? You can work your job. You can have your career. You can build up your family. But every single one of those good things that you're doing must stem and have the driving engine behind it being your love and your treasure that is found in Christ. Is Christ precious to you? And just a couple questions I want to leave us with before our closing song. And I want you to think about it this week. And really look at your life. What is it that you are treasuring or finding security? What are you spending your time, your energy, and your money? What, what consumes your day? What consumes your thought? What is, what is the, uh, the lamp that's in the eye of your body? What are you focusing on? Are you focusing on those heavenly treasures? Are you focusing on Christ? Or are the majority of your efforts focused on things that will be destroyed, things that will end up being owned, being owned by somebody else? And while you, re you think of those questions, and I would love everybody to do this, it should only take you a little bit, I would like everybody to read Ecclesiastes. It is, it's 12 chapters. Go read Ecclesiastes. Over and over and over and say they're vanity, vanity, or meaningless, meaningless. Okay? A life not lived to the glory of God is a meaningless life. 
they're gone and forgotten. And as Christians, we're, we're for more. We have a reason for living. We have a purpose for living. If you're not a Christian, you can continue to build up your own purpose, which will be destroyed. But Jesus is an eternal purpose and an eternal treasure that we must all have. Thank you.